0: Fighting for freedom every day. Republicans right now, the conservatives, which unfortunately, this is what we have to do every time. Even after a vote where people are sick and tired of the establishment, they're sick and tired of the squeezy middle of the road, squishy kind of Republican rhinos, and we vote conservatives in, then we have to fight tooth and nail in DC to actually be heard within the Republican Party. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Darn right it is welcome into the show. Holy cow, is it a it's a Wednesday. It seems like a chaotic Wednesday, so we're going to try and calm it down, simmer down just a little bit here on the show, get you educated a little bit, get you entertained a little bit, or at least that's what our goal is here on the show each and every day. Welcome in it. What's up? Welcome in. This is The Voice Reason. I am Andy Hoosier, broadcasting live out of the heart of the nation here in Wichita, Kansas on our flagship radio station, but we are all over the country. Radio, TV, live streaming, podcasting on multiple platforms, multiple stations all over the place. Your millennial general reporting for duty like we do every single day. And it's great to have you along for us with the ride as we sit in the car together and chit-chat and talk about the important issues of the world, which there are a lot of them. I gotta be honest, I don't know where to start today. There's a lot of news, and we're gonna try and find the most important or at least the most entertaining that we can on the show. Bottom of the hour, we have Rick Meta. We've had him on the program many times before. He is a former FDA official. He's also a health care law professor at Georgetown University. We'll chat with him about healthcare freedom, the government takeover of health care, and why we're moving in the direction we are towards bigger government oversight in health care. Well, that seems to be the absolute opposite of what we actually need to be doing because the healthcare care industry is in absolute shambles. And it became way worse than what it was ever before as soon as Obamacare took effect. And Republicans still have yet to repeal that. And we've tried it, but then the Supreme Court's like, "Mm mm-mm, maybe it's time to revamp. Notice how it's funny. Republicans, when we try to repeal something, we say we're going to repeal it when we're in the minority. And then when we get the majority, we don't do it. It's the same when we present cases to the U.S. Supreme Court, because now we have a conservative majority in the U.S. Supreme Court. Now would be the time for us to repeal Obamacare and say that it is unconstitutional. Are they presenting that? Haven't heard any news on that. We'll talk about some of that and more coming up on the show in just a little bit. Before we get into the big heavy stuff, though, uh, yesterday we had some fun talking about the woke parents and kind of the emotional parents that are maybe teaching their kids a little bit wonky on some issues, but there is some princessness or preciousness that I have to cover and laugh at just a little bit going on right now down in our southern border of Mexico. What's trending today? Andy, what do you mean by that? Well, first off, as you know, a couple weeks ago, what was it, last week, two weeks ago, there was the all-out full-on civil war going on in Mexico because the Mexican government had arrested El Chapo, the head drug lord down there, had arrested his son. And when that happened, the cartels obviously pushed back, and there was all, I mean, it was all at war. Uh, Watching the videos of it was kind of scary that that was happening at our southern border, and next to it, moving further south, where they had rocket launchers, they had 50 caliber weapons, they were firing on aircraft, helicopters, and airplanes, they were taking over airports, they were taking over actual towns in the country of Mexico. Very scary how you could allow a cartel to actually have that much influence and power over you which all the more reiterates why we need the Second Amendment here in the United States, because we don't want that to happen here with individuals having the most amount of guns in power to be able to just tell us what to do, whether it's the government or whether it's a mob or whether it's a cartel or whether it's anybody that has any type of power or influence. We're not okay with that here in the United States. And we need to be very clear that we're not going to allow something like that to happen here in the United States, which explains why so many individuals from Mexico... Try to come over here and want the border actually sealed because they don't want that, that they're trying to flee from and get away from to actually bleed over into the new country that is the land of opportunity. With all that being said, it was scary to watch last week, two weeks ago, whenever it was, the ongoing conflict between Mexico and the cartels. But now you want to talk about preciousness. We had some fun with it yesterday. The notorious drug lord himself, El Chapo, has apparently had his attorneys reach out to the Mexican government with a, quote, SOS, according to Yahoo News, saying that in the six years that he's been in the United States, he has not seen the sun during the SOS. They said that he's only allowed outside three times a week to a small area where he doesn't get the sun. They also talk about the limited number of phone calls and viewer vi- uh, fewer visits than what other inmates are actually allowed to experience. Oh, the precious. The precious. They're claiming uh, inhumane uh, situations, which I forgot. It's been a while since he was actually arrested. I forgot that he was in prison here in the United States and not down in Mexico. But they had sent the letter to the uh, president of Mexico talking about the bad conditions in which he's residing in jail. Now, remember, this is the guy... That is the number one drug cartel dealer in the in the country of Mexico who has a massive private army at his disposal that has killed many individuals with the cartels just randomly showing up at their house and decapitating them on the spot, no questions asked, or having crazy drive-by shootings, or slaughtering entire towns when he was held captive the first time and the cartels ended up fighting back. This is the guy who's claiming bad conditions in jail to where he doesn't get to see the sun very often, he doesn't get to go outside more than about three times a week, and he has limited time for visitors and for phone calls while he's sitting in prison. Poor baby. Poor baby. What a terrible life, man. You know, ruining you know everybody else's lives, getting him addicted to drugs, you know, and shooting up towns and controlling them just for the power grab and for the elite status that he lives. Man, he's tired. He's just sick and tired of having to deal with those bad working, uh, bad conditions there in jail. How terrible. We need to have him, like, live in luxury and how he should just be living with the nice mansion and just being on, like, home arrest, where we could have an ankle bracelet, we can make sure he's okay, and then he could still be doing his dealings of ruining other people's lives. But by golly, he can't be in any discomfort himself for all the trauma that he's put through half a nation and even up here in the United States as well. You know what I have to say to you, buddy? I don't give a rat you-know-what. I'm glad you're struggling and suffering, and hopefully it comes to terms just a little bit with what you've done to other individuals. I don't care, and good riddance, and hopefully your son's actually experiencing the same thing. Unfortunately, though, the son that was just captured a week or so ago, he's still in a prison down in Mexico where El Chapo apparently had been able to escape years ago and the ambassadors and the uh, whoever legal people that are in charge of this won't allow his transference up to the U.S. prison up here to make sure he doesn't escape, so he's staying down there in Mexico. The question is, how long is he actually going to be down there before he's released or escapes again? So uh, that's all I have to mention to that, but by golly, you want to talk about pampered elites. They can ruin other people's lives, they can destroy people's lives all for their own money and power grabs, and they don't give a rip about them but when they're in a difficult circumstance when they're in an uncomfortable situation man they lose their minds and uh, it's the elites of the world that want all the power and they continue to use that power grab we're seeing it with the world health or the world economic forum going on right now as well which is our other bit of big news for the day
1: What's trending today? I mean, of
0: course, you have the elites in Sweden right now, or Switzerland. I'm sorry, it's in Switzerland right now, where they're talking about the economic uh, prosperity of the world, what to do economically for the world. It's really the global government that no one knew we actually had, right? We had no. I mean, who are these guys? They're all getting together, talking about the global economy, trying to recover from COVID, and talking about the initiatives they want to be focusing on. And like we joked about on the show yesterday, we have the elite who are talking about uh, diversity and talking about women's rights and trying to talk about inclusion in the workforce around the globe, while we have a massive influx of. Uh, sex workers and prostitutes that are coming to Switzerland because there's been such a high demand from the elite that are going there wanting to party after the meeting with these women while they say that they're all about inclusion and trying to bring equality into the workforce. Yeah, it seems about right. Seems about right for the hypocrisy from the uh, global elites. Then we have the climate change measures, because remember, this is now going to be the number one priority economically for all these global elites and for governments, is they want climate change initiatives they want green new deal initiatives they want to transfer everything to energy uh, certain energies like electricity so that way poof it's easy for them just to flip the button flip the switch and have it turn off very easy and they have to do it under the fear tactics of we're killing the environment and killing the globe now could we do better in actually taking care of our environment absolutely we could now the united states we should be very proud pat yourself on the back even if you're driving even driving your gas guzzling truck or vehicle right now it's okay pat yourself on the back You deserve it, because guess what? Even with our gas-guzzling 1980s F-150 pickup truck that I know a lot of people still drive around, why? Number one, because it's easy to maintain, because you can actually get into the hood and actually work on it. It's not computerized, and it may get eight miles to the gallon, but by golly, we don't care, because it's strong and effective, and it works, even to this day. And it doesn't go bad. You swap out a part, and you're good to go again. Pat yourself on the back, because even with those standards... We are still the most efficient nation on the face of the earth when it comes to energy. Meaning the efficiency of we don't waste a lot. We are the cleanest. We have the best technology. And we're the most efficient. So therefore, it doesn't matter what we do. We're still the best around the globe when it comes to the efficiency compared to third world countries and other nations all over. It doesn't matter. So pat yourself on the back. All that being said, we're still the number one funder for the Paris Climate Accord. We're still the number one funder for uh, all these other green initiatives around the globe, and they want to transfer away from the electricity, or away from the coal, away from the natural gas, away from the uh, from the oil, and go to this electricity because everything needs to be EV. I saw a headline today about school buses becoming EVs as well. Golly, when are we gonna when are we gonna say enough is enough? The reason and they said, and we told you this would happen. We told you. The headline I saw today from the Department of Education nationally was they're sinking billions of dollars into making school buses around the globe EVs because they say it's better for the health of the children. (laughs) Did we not say just days ago that the new plan has been in motion? They now are going to use the fear tactics of health like they did with the COVID-19 pandemic as the social experiment to tell you what's going to be safe or unsafe, what's going to be healthy or not healthy because now Apparently, the kids are sitting right near the pipes of the back of the vehicle, like sucking in the black air that comes out of the buses because they said it's going to help the health of the children by not being around that black smoke when the exhaust comes out. So we need to go EV with our school buses. That's the approach they're taking here. And these are the guys, by the way, that are talking about how to consolidate and how to control you, control your economy, control your nation based on environmental policy. These are the guys that are flying them with over a thousand. Let me repeat that over 1,000 private jets that are flying into Switzerland for this World Economic Forum. Now, the private jets apparently aren't, you know, they're carbon neutral, I guess. I don't know, but they're flying in these elites telling you how to live your life and how you can't drive more than 15 minutes away from your home for your work which is what their ultimate goal is at the end of the day while they're flying across the world in their private jets al gore getting a little fired up earlier today at the world economic forum
2: that's the part of the atmosphere that has oxygen the troposphere uh, and it's only five to seven kilometers thick that's what we're using as an open sewer If you could drive a car straight up in the air at interstate highway speeds, you'd get to the top of that blue line in five minutes. And all the greenhouse gas pollution would be below you. We're still putting 162 million tons into it every single day. And the accumulated amount is now trapping as much extra heat as would be released by 600,000 Hiroshima-class atomic bombs exploding every single day on the Earth. That's what's boiling the oceans, creating these atmospheric rivers and the rain bombs and sucking the moisture out of the land and creating the droughts and melting the ice and raising the sea level and causing these waves of climate refugees predicted to reach 1 billion in this century? Look at the xenophobia and political authoritarian trends that have come from just a few million refugees. What about a billion? We would lose our capacity for self-governance on this world. We have to act.
0: We have to act. Getting a little fired up there. I don't know the music behind it. What the hell is he talking What's a rain bomb? Can anybody explain what a rain bomb is? That's news to me. What is he? He's a jackass. Making sure. All right. Got to take a break here right around the corner for a middle of the week episode of The Voice of Reason. Stay here.
1: This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom
0: every day. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. So during the break, I had to look up what a rain bomb was. Now look, I know that nobody gives a, you know, what about Al Gore anymore. He's so old news. That's so old news. Inconvenient truth. We've had many individuals on debunking his theories for years. And I thought, according to... Al Gore, that like what was it a year ago, two, three years ago, four years ago, that all the sea levels supposed to rise by like ten feet, we're all supposed to be flooded on all the coasts, it's supposed to be this absolute disaster. It didn't happen. It didn't happen. We haven't implemented a whole lot of their environmental policies. In fact, we, I mean, we've been t- implemented some that's why we're on this major push for electric vehicles but it hasn't been at the speed that they said it needed to happen we have between him saying all the coasts were going to you know flood and people are going to die then you had aoc crying saying that the our grandparents were going to be crying because we would never make it to the point of the grandparents actually existing because it was going to be the end of the world soon they can't keep their damn story straight which is why again i reiterate he's a jackass making sure but i had to during the break i had to research what a rain bomb was because I've never heard of this—the boiling, the boiling seas, and the brain bombs that are causing massive damage. The rain bomb—that's just really—if you look out and you see the cloud over yonder, and you just see kind of—it looks really cool, or it just looks like it opened up and it's raining there. That's a rain bomb. I did not—I didn't know what was called that, but now we know that's a rain bomb. That's happened for as long as I can remember. I'm 33 years old. I am 33, 34. I don't remember. It doesn't matter. But I remember seeing those as a kid. Why is that some type of global calamity? Why is that the end of the world with a rain bomb that's actually happening? And by the way, when it comes to the sea levels and the the temperature of the waters, I think they're only like, what, maybe a quarter of a degree hotter? A half a degree hot. It's not a full degree hotter for the, for the oceans. But according to him, man, they're just boiling. We're seeing fishes pop up right in the ocean. The fishermen don't even have to go out and actually fish for them. They just have to get them, and they're already cooked. You don't even have to worry about it, baby. <laughs> the stupid. I have to ask. And look, I can respect other people's opinions. I can respect other people's political views. I can respect other people if they have a different uh, different opinion on issues. That's not the issue. We have Democrats that come on the show all the time. I get your emails. I know you think I'm some hate speech talk radio host because all the uh, conservative talk radio is a bunch of hate talk radio. I get it. You can email those all you want to at HoosierMediaNetwork.com. But for anybody who's listened to this program longer than five minutes knows that I'm about reason and common sense. And if you have a different opinion, I am more than welcome to hear that different opinion. And I will respect the hell out of you, even if I don't uh, don't agree with the opinion. I will respect the hell out of you if you at least show me the argument on how you got from point A to point B. If you can explain the thought process on why you think a certain policy is good, then I'll res- I may not agree with it, but I'll respect it they can't do that anymore and for those that are on that side still pushing pushing this massive garbage of environmentalism this massive push for evs this massive push to like just go back to you know the middle middle ages without using any type of thing and just like sitting in the dark out in the middle of the woods I thought it's supposed to be 2023. I thought the future was supposed to be more technologically advanced, not getting rid of our technology and holding hands around a tree singing kumbaya. While that may be fun for some and a hat tip off to you, if that's what you do, that's not the way society is supposed to be going. We're supposed to be moving forward, not reverting backwards. So all of you that are on that side that's pushing for this agenda – How does it feel to be absolutely fooled and bamboozled every step of the way from the people that say they're fighting for your agenda while doing the exact opposite? Al Gore has his private jet. Al Gore has his multiple mansions that use massive amounts of energy. Al Gore, as far as I'm aware, still has and owns multiple shares in the company of Apple that's making a buttload of money. And think about the amount of resources when he puts on these climate festivals with all this music, when he's out there making these movies and documentaries. How much money is he making from using these massive amounts of resources that you say are actually bad? Stop falling for this crap. It's unbelievable. By the way, the vote company of Disney, did you see what the last um, general manager, the owner of the company, the president that just left, it only worked for like four or five months last year? Made over $8 million, getting paid an average of $120,000 a day, and ended up leaving while you woke individuals are loving it to hate on corporations. The
1: voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. When Reason Meets Radio, This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. You are darn
0: right it is. Welcome back into the program. Halfway through already, where does the time go? Trying to cram that 10 pounds of reason into that 5-pound bag, trying to rebrand the millennial generation one radio listener at a time. Multiple radio stations all over the place, plus TV, live streaming, podcasting, however you watch, listen to the show. Welcome aboard. We love you to death here on a middle of the week. So the ongoing question is, is how do you feel Left side of the aisle, meaning, how do you feel being bamboozled? How do you feel when you support a quote unquote woke up business? then it's not really as woke as what you thought. Or at least they put the portrayal out there. They do the campaign ads. They do the PR stunt saying that they're woke and that they believe in this whole woke individualism or or environmentalism or whatever that you're into. While well, at the same time, they're not doing it. And in this case, we have the World Economic Forum out there in Switzerland right now talking about how they need to control the economy globally because what you're doing is corrupting it and you're making it dirty and you're, you know, you, you, they're the ones who got all the money during the last couple of years according to the top 1%, making two-thirds of all the wealth generated globally since the COVID-19 pandemic. They made all the money, but they need to figure out how to control you even more. And you got Al Gore out there talking about, like, boiling sea levels and about, I don't know, rain bombs and, like, losing his mind, almost yelling on the stage at the World Economic Forum when he got there by flying on his private jet. How does that make you feel? When you're bamboozled, how does it make you feel when you find out that he actually owns shares in Apple while they're out there in third world countries digging for all that metal and the silver and the titanium and whatever else they put in these phones and ruining the earth for the stuff that he's got stock in while he says that you shouldn't be driving more than 15 minutes from your home. Come on, ma'am, Come on. Ridiculously stupid. Let's shift gears a little bit here, shall we? What's trending today? Talking about hypocrisy, let's go into the healthcare industry, one of our other favorite topics we like to talk about, because as you know, the healthcare industry has uh, declined substantially since the implementation of Obamacare. The government, again, controlling more of the industry, taking a sixth of the U.S. economy into the public sector instead of the private sector when premiums have gone up and deductibles have gone up and the quality of care has gone down and you still have to cover it. But if you can't afford it, then just go ahead and get Obamacare. And they'll take care of you that way. Where are we at right now? And what are states doing to either fight against this or embrace it when it comes to certain topics as well, including the abortion issue that was a big topic going into last year? Excited to have back on the program with us here. He's a former FDA official. He is a Georgetown University health law professor as well. And former uh, nominee for the Republican side for U.S. Senate. Excited to have back on the program Mr. Rick Mehta. Rick, how are you, my friend?
3: great to be back on with you. I'm doing
0: well. Good. It's good to chat with you again, and happy 2023. The health care issue is still lingering. We haven't seen a whole lot of traction on it. Are we going to see changes in health care this year, do you think, for the better, now that Republicans have taken the House of Representatives?
3: I think we're going to see more ideas on how to reform health care, but without control of a majority of a Republican Senate uh, and also obviously with the veto power instilled with uh, President Biden, we're not going to see much changes. And in, in fact, if anything, we're going to continue to explore how to outsize uh, the federal government's role in, in health care and continue to grow that role. And we've seen actually more uh more growth in the federal government taking over factions of our healthcare system, uh, even among Republicans. Uh, and so I don't think we're going to see too much change in that era. We've also seen billions of dollars being pumped into COVID uh, and other programs. I think we got a long way to go before we start to see the federal government start to shrink out of healthcare and start to realize uh, the implicit costs associated with that.
0: Well, that is true. If the government starts shrinking itself out of healthcare, that would be a first because I've never in my life seen a government program downsize or be uh, removed you know, completely once they've actually gained it. Once you give the government an inch, they take two miles and it never goes back to the size that it was. So if we're able to do that, that would be a huge one. Uh, it's What's weird to me is that now we have this, what they call at least on their side, is the ultra conservative U.S. Supreme Court now where obviously we reversed Roe v. Wade last June, which is a monumental thing uh as republicans when obama was in office we tried to pass numerous bills repealing obamacare knowing that it wasn't going to go anywhere when we finally got in office and trump took office and republicans took office then we said oh we need to rewrite the entire bill we don't have a good plan to replace obamacare so we can't do it but we're going to challenge it in the supreme court on the legality and constitutionality of obamacare and the government taking over health care now that we have a better supreme court why haven't we presented cases there where we actually have a chance to say, you know what, Obamacare is unconstitutional and you guys need to come up with a plan ASAP?
3: Well, you know, that's a great question. And I kind of laugh at this notion that we think uh, that the Supreme Court is now this very conservative, staunch right-wing <laughs> Supreme Court, uh, when in fact what the Supreme Court believes in is the traditional read of the Constitution that empowers the empower states uh, to retain rights under the 10th Amendment that states uh, normally hold. Uh, And so with COVID, we've seen this massive growth of the federal government, uh, and you see the Supreme Court paring it back and saying, well, you can't trample on constitutional rights. The Bill of Rights were written for a reason. Uh, And so I kind of laugh at that to say that because the Supreme Court now believes in the constitutional principles and and states' rights, uh, we saw that with the Dobbs decision, all of a sudden they're right-wing because they go against a broader, broader, uh, woke agenda. So, you know, it's a good point. I think we might start to see more lawsuits uh, we have in the past, at least as it relates to vaccine mandates, uh, mask mandates and, and others. We've seen that challenge. We've seen, you know, the shrinking of the federal government uh, or at least the Supreme Court being sort of the gatekeeper to protect states' rights. Uh, and then, you know, continuing to see that, I think we're going to have to watch and wait to see what happens.
0: Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. Maybe we can see some presented here relatively soon. Let's talk about abortion for a second. Obviously, the monumental piece from the Supreme Court last year was the reversal of Roe v. Wade, which to the left it was every woman is going to die now in the gutter because they don't have access to abortion and how we just banned it nationally. Obviously, that's not the case. It just allows states to make their own decisions. What are some states doing? I I come from Kansas, and we had one of the first votes on it as a constitutional amendment, and we ended up upholding abortion here in the state which kind of blew my mind. I was a bit shocked by the way it came out here in Kansas. But what are some of the other states doing right now?
3: Yeah, and and in fact, you know, with the Dobbs decision, uh, punting the decision-making about whether the legality of abortion with the states, uh, you're actually seeing states continue to become more liberal. Uh, They're continuing to grow. Look, my state of New Jersey, uh, the governor has declared New Jersey to be a sanctuary state for abortion and protecting abortion rights. And shortly after the Dobbs decision, they quickly codified abortion rights within the state, uh, all the way with really with no limits up until the moment of birth, you know, probably one of the most extreme egregious uh, you know laws passed uh, and and spending over 15 million dollars to expand uh, abortion facilities uh, deregulate uh, in areas where they would allow non doctors to provide abortions uh, and continue to encourage New Jersey to be the sanctuary for um, for people seeking abortion so you know we've actually seen the opposite we've seen where some states have you know completely polarized like New Jersey and then some states which have pared back uh, you know the abortion Rights um, and again, we knew that this was going to happen, uh, and this is this is exactly what the constitutional uh, law states. You know, states have the right to decide, and you know there is no implicit uh, read of privacy uh, as a constitutional right uh, for abortion.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, like you said, I mean, it's the beauty of the system. We have a federalist system, which means that the government's not supposed to be involved at the federal level. States can make their own decisions, and we are. We're seeing a vast difference of opinion on it, where Missouri is not only banning it completely in their state, but actually going at trying to go after people that even leave the state to go get abortions elsewhere. They're trying to create civil lawsuits against them. Then you have states, like you said, New Jersey, that are very open about it, and even using the taxpayer-funded money to support abortion clinics, which... Is there a line there? I mean, I know we have federalism to allow states to make the choices here, but is there a line where that should be drawn maybe too, where taxpayer money is being funded for private industry to do something that we may not agree with, uh, you know, with a certain procedure?
3: Well, you know, it, it, and it really pulls at me on this one, because New Jersey, we're really a donor state. I mean, we get less than 75 cents to a dollar back from the federal government. Uh, and so when we start to fund, you know, we're funding other states. And so when you see in this outsizing of $15 million being given uh, to expand abortion rights, expand health care facilities that perform abortion, uh, expand security measures, uh, you know, there's, there's got to be a limit uh, because we're not like Texas where there's a $33 billion surplus. In fact, it's the opposite. You know, states like New Jersey, California, massive deficit. We're sitting on massive, massive deficits, uh, and the taxpayers have to foot the bill. You know, we're one of the highest tax states, highest regula- regulated states, uh, and many of the people that fund those tax dollars, those that own businesses and sort of the wealthy group, they are fleeing the state in droves. They're fleeing the state in droves. And uh, ultimately what happens is that it disproportionately impacts those that can't afford to buy houses anyway. So you're already affecting uh, low-income and minority community members who then can't create generational wealth by being in high-tax, high-regulated states. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, this is a bigger problem, a bigger issue. But certainly, you know, our state continues to live way beyond its means.
0: There's a few things to take away from that statement, which is hilarious, is that, number one, the states that have higher regulations and higher taxes are the ones that coincidentally seem to be in debt because they're bringing in so much money they're spending more, as opposed to states that are deregulating and cutting taxes, and somehow they have a surplus like the state of Texas. What a coincidence in that one, uh, which I find kind of ironic, and it almost seems like it's planned that way, like you said, to divide and actually separate that uh, wealth bracket and bring more poverty people in and then say well you know what you uh don't have the resources needed in order to take care of a child because you're less fortunate you're probably on government social programs you probably need a welfare check you're not in a good financial stable position now we're just going to go ahead and fund abortions for you so if you do get pregnant we can just give you an abortion because while you're not in the position unless you want to be you're not in the position to actually take care of that child rick we got to take a hard break here can you stick over one more segment with us happy too. Awesome. I love it. I want to continue this conversation because I find it hilarious, but I want to take, uh, take it to the next level as well regarding telemedicine abortions, where that's kind of the next big stage here in Kansas. They've expanded their telemedicine because of how many people are coming to our state, which is weird. We're a Republican state where I'm at my our flagship station here with Kansas. We're a red state, but yet we're not only expanding abortion, we're expanding telemedicine options so others and other states can come to us and get those. We'll talk about some more of that when we come back here. It's a Wednesday on The Voice of Reason. This is
1: The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every
0: day. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Welcome back into the program. Thanks for hanging out. we got a few minutes left here on the show. By the way, I told you. I told you we weren't going to get to everything today. I have my show prep already laid out for tomorrow because we're running out of time. We've got a few minutes left here. But just to give you a heads up, tomorrow's going to be a big show. As Donald Trump says, it's going to be bigly. It's going to be bigly in huge. <laughs> As we tomorrow is supposedly the deadline when the debt ceiling is hit for the federal government, January market, January 19th, just three weeks into the new year and we're already out of money. So the Treasury Department saying they are taking, quote, extraordinary measures to try and uh, at least fund things until the summertime to give us time to figure out what we're going to do. The debate has already ensued, so we'll get to that tomorrow because that's kind of a big deal. Also, there's some battle in the House of Representatives with some new elected members that are going into certain committees that the Democrats are losing their minds over. They're already coming out and trying to uh, belittle them and trying to uh, make them less credible, so that way when they come out with certain findings on investigations or decisions, then it doesn't matter. It's irrelevant because you're just a conspiracy theorist and a nut job as well so we'll talk about all that tomorrow and i've been holding on to this story for a couple of days so i promise tomorrow we'll get to it with our weird news of weird news of the day oh yeah so all that and more coming up on the program tomorrow you're not going to want to miss it as usual for a pre-friday celebration right now though we're hanging out with former fda official he is a also health law professor at georgetown university rick Metta. and rick we mentioned T's kind of going into the break there Regarding abortion, but now the telemedicine abortion, which is like almost like an entirely new industry where many states that may have banned abortions, you can just call up another state and a healthcare professional and get your abortion pills via telemedicine. Is this going to be the future of the abortion industry, you think?
3: Yeah, you know, uh, this one is interesting. So I got to tell you, since 2020, uh, medication abortions, meaning it, getting an abortion done with medicine has outpaced more than 54 to close to 60% of all abortions done are done through medicine uh, versus surgery. Uh, and so it, it's a natural uh, extension to say, well, if you now can have a telemedicine consultation, do a video chat, the doctor will see you, uh, give you a prescription, order the medicine, uh, and then the medicine is shipped to your house, and then you do it, um, do it at home. Uh, now, there's some significant changes that has happened over the past couple of years. The FDA, 2021 changed the rules. They have uh, what they call a REMS, a Risk Evaluation Mitigation Strategy. These are programs that are put on some of our highest risk drugs. And the FDA all of a sudden did a about-face, changed the way uh, that you can receive the medicine uh, that induces abortions, uh, So, but where before they had it only dispensed through certain healthcare settings, which makes sense that you're in the care of an actual nurse or physician who's looking after you as you take your medicine, uh, and and changed those rules uh, to allow for pharmacies to mail it and, uh, and drop ship it to you. So uh, in essence now, tell, it's really opened up the doors for people to go to a Video chat, see a doctor, have their medicine shipped to them, and uh, do the abortion right at home.
0: Wow, that's insane. Now, state laws. I mean, are states allowing them to come in? If, if for example, let's like, say Missouri, who's already banned abortion in their state, would they allow the pills to come in? I don't know how they could regulate something like that uh, because they're not going to a doctor or a physician there in the state of Missouri. So uh, it'd be interesting to see how many states are utilizing the telemedicine abortions if their clinics themselves in the states have been locked down.
3: Yeah, well, this is an interesting regulatory uh, loophole. So the regulation of doctors, meaning to be licensed, you have to be licensed in the state that the patient sits in. Uh, so technically, you can be a doctor sitting in, uh, let's say, New Jersey, uh, but be licensed in Missouri uh, and then see a patient that's in Missouri. Uh, so long as that the Missouri Board of Medicine allows for it, uh, can then, you know, uh, al- Prescribe the medicine and then have it, you know, like I said, drop ship to you uh, via mail. So it's really going to be incumbent on the states and their regulatory boards to decide whether or not they're going to allow for doctors to either write prescriptions uh, for uh, abortion medicines uh, and then in essence, uh, practice, uh, practice abortion.
0: Wow, that is concerning. That's uh, that's kind of strange and unique how they found that loophole. We can do that, but apparently to Democrats, we can't have insurance that crosses state lines because we don't want more competition, right?
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that is the rub, right?
0: That is the rub. There it is, Rick Metz. He's a former FDA official, a health law professor at Georgetown University. Rick, it's always good to talk to you, my friend. Happy New Year. Great to get you back on the show. we got to do it again soon. My pleasure. Thank you. Hey, always a pleasure, my friend. There it is. Great information. We'll look forward to breaking some of that down tomorrow with you on a pre-Friday celebration. Also, as I mentioned, got a lot to get to tomorrow, so you're not going to miss the program in any form or fashion. You can also download the podcast with your favorite podcast site with the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Until then, though. That does it for us today. It's time for you to speak up, speak out, speak loud, speak proud, speak the truth, and always speak some reason. This is The Voice Reason. I'm Andy Hoosier. Be that catalyst for change in your local community. We'll reconvene again tomorrow and see your progress right here on the show. Everybody, have a great day. This is The Voice Reason. We'll see you on the radio.